The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello again, and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen, writer and editor for the Peninsula Pulse and Door County Living and host of the Door County Pulse podcast. Today, we're going to have another in our series of housing conversations with both local people trying to make a difference in our housing shortage in Door County, but then also talking to people from around the country and how other communities have approached this problem. And I got very fortunate to connect to Matt Edwards from Walsh Park out in Fishers Island, New York, where he is the program manager of a nonprofit housing initiative that was formed to sustain the viability of a year-round community, not quite like Door County. It's not quite like a, a heavy tourism-centric community, but somewhat similar to almost if you would compare to Washington Island. <laughs> it's maybe the better comparison here. And, and some of their issues on Fishers Island are different from ours and unique to that island, but I think you'll find a lot of similarities in this conversation to the the issues we're facing and the, the problems we need to solve here in Door County. So, Matt Edwards, thanks for joining me and taking the time to talk about this. Thanks for having me, Miles. Could you start, like, I don't think a lot of our listeners have heard of Fisher's Island, and I should... I should give credit to the person who turned me on to your organization, uh, Chris Kramer, a guy who reads our paper, listens to our podcast. He sent me an email about, because there was an article about Fisher's Island, and he mentioned that they have this thing called Walsh Park. So I looked into it, started reading up, and I said, this is really interesting. So I reached out to you, but I just wanted to say thanks to one of our readers for just turning me on to something different because it, it's pointed me in a, in a cool direction, and I've, I've learned a lot from talking to you in our conversation a couple of weeks ago. So tell me, what is Fisher's Island? Fisher's Island, is it's definitely a unique place. It is a Oh, about seven to eight mile long island off the coast of southeastern Connecticut that even though you can only get here from ferry from Connecticut, we're actually part of Suffolk County, Long Island. <laughs> so that's where our where our governance is from. But we are we do all our shopping and everything in Connecticut, but we're part of Long Island. And it's a very small community. There's only about two hundred and twenty five year round residents mm. that is supported by a seasonal community that blossoms to about two to 3,000 during the summer months. And uh, we're here the rest of the year trying to make things happen. And from a tourism perspective, you have like a summer, you have summer residents, but from what I understand about Fisher's Island, it's not a place that's, you know, if I compare that to Door County, Bailey's Harbor alone is just one town in, in the Door County Peninsula. And there's a bunch of restaurants, a bunch of shops, a bunch of hotels. I get the impression Fisher's Island is not like that. That's correct. It is actually opposite of a, a tourist attraction. It is uh, it's kind of like a closely kept secret. And so the island is actually split in half for private and public. So the western side of the island is the public side. And on that side, you'll find the museum, which is a really great place. There's a couple of shops, a couple of small cafes, and one bar slash restaurant. The rest of the island, there's a you know couple private clubs, but you have to have a sticker to get onto that side. But again, it's almost like if you don't know somebody, there's really nothing for you to do here. It's, <laughs> it's really interesting. And it's, it's the people that have made it like this have wanted it this way, and it's been this way for decades and decades. I'm guessing 
that some of our listeners here on the podcast would say they wish Door County was like that. <laughs> I'm um, sure. I'm sure. But it's uh, it's got to feel somewhat isolating at times. I'm guessing. Definitely does. Definitely does. Again, in the summer, it's it's happening. It's buzzing. There's people everywhere. Uh, you know, just you go to the post office, and there's no you know there's no mail delivery. You have to go to the post office and get your mail. So it's you go to the one grocery store and get your groceries. You see people in the winter. It's opposite. You can go for a walk or a run, and you won't see anybody on the road. It's it's crazy. And you have yourself a long personal family connection to the island, correct? Yes. My father uh, grew up here. In the, He was born in 1944, grew up here. He had uh, many siblings. Had some, a brother still lives here currently. A sister was a seasonal resident. So I got to spend time here on the island as a kid, come over summer vacations for like a week or two weekends. And I just loved it because it's just a beautiful place. It's As you can imagine, without that many people here, it's just a, it's Beautiful nature is just everywhere. It's just fascinating. The beaches are pristine. The birds, it's just a great place. It's quiet. And uh, I've always had a dream of living here. Never had the opportunity. Never thought I would have the opportunity until this position opened up with this organization and kind of works hand in hand, seeing as it's geared toward helping people try to have people live here year round. And that's since, is it around six, seven years that you've been in this role? Yes, January 2016. Okay. So I'm coming up on my eighth anniversary, and uh, I've always, again, knew about Walsh Park and uh, had obviously had a connection to the island, and it just was a natural fit. It was fantastic. And so you come in as a programming manager there, but you, I was looking at the website, and it's also similar to Door County in a small town. Yes, you have this job, but you also have other jobs. <laughs> yes. So I, I was the, actually the first employee. The Walsh Park was founded in 1987. There weren't any employees. There was a you know board of directors, which still exists. But a couple board members did all the work, paid all the bills, and you know handled maintenance requests, et cetera. And so I was the first employee, so I had to jump right in. But well, I'm sure we'll talk about this. But part of the when you join Walsh Park, if you take part in the program, the other half of that is trying to give back to the community. So as a not only do I work for Walsh Park, I live in Walsh Park, and to give back to the community, I'm a uh, volunteer firefighter. I've, again, because I'm responsible, I've not, I don't have any skills because knock on wood, we don't have much activity here, but. I've now become the assistant division fire chief just because I go to every call. I'm always around. I was the treasurer <laughs> for five years. I'm on the board of education. I help out coach the, the girls and boys basketball teams at the school. I mean, there's always something going on. It's it's crazy. Everybody has to, to do that because there's not a lot of us here. So we all wear many hats. Yeah, it's very similar to Door County in that respect. I was actually serving as the MC. We do a, a derby race at Fall Fest. And I was thanking the volunteer firefighters who were helping out put that event on. And I realized I'm probably thanking about half of the people here because, <laughs> every, you know, my I grew up, my dad was a volunteer firefighter. I think half my friends, their dad was a volunteer firefighter or an EMT yep. of some sort. And I used to coach high school basketball up here. And if one of my players got hurt and I am not a volunteer firefighter or an EMT, so I'd go out there and I'd have to like lie to the kid and act like I knew what I was doing by like, you know, moving his arm slightly or something. And yep. usually before the kid could call my bluff, there were probably like four EMTs over my shoulder tapping me going like, you go back to the huddle. We got this, you know, and it's a very fortunate situation in a small town. Yep. And uh, that, that probably saved some kids some tears because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. <laughs> anyway, you know, how big geographically, you said the population around 200 year round residents. Geographically, how big is this island? It's about, you know, I always said it was, when I was growing up, it was always said it was nine miles, but apparently it's between seven and eight miles long, and it's about, at its widest point, a mile. So it's not that big geographically wow. at all. It's tiny. And then 
these year-round people who who do live there, because you you talk about it as being the summer place. It's not a tourist destination. What is life for the people who make this their home? Like you mentioned, it's isolated. It's um, you definitely have to be hardy. It's kind of like the first time you spend the night here, and the last ferry leaves for the night, you realize you know this is it. You can't. You're stuck. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> so you really have to find ways to entertain yourself. So a lot of hobbies, a lot of reading, a lot of napping, try to stay active. It's kind of, it's not for everybody. And I'm sure I've seen many people try to live here and they last six months and have to come back. But the people that do stick it out and love it, they just love it. It's just, it's a really unique place. And again, it's not for everybody, but if you kind of like the isolation, it's, it's a pretty good place to be. So I'm guessing that when a new resident moves in, you get a lot of like, people are very happy to see you. They welcome you with open arms, but then they also kind of side eye you like, well, let's see. Let's see if they <laughs> <Yeah>. stick. <laughs> are they going to make it? Exactly. That's kind of the thing. And we want people to make it. That's the thing. So you're, you're right. If there, there've been, you know, parties for new residents and people get invited everywhere and ask to join different organizations and help out. But yeah, it's, it's, People were are very welcoming to trying to get people to, to stick around and, and grow the population. Oh, that definitely happens here too, where especially being involved in nonprofit organizations, if somebody somebody new rolls into town and you find out that they are at all charismatic or have any skills or are fun to be around, it's like every nonprofit is circling like vultures, like, all right, who like get their claws in first. So Exactly. <laughs> so let's start talking about Walsh Park here. What is, so you mentioned earlier that this is founded in 1987 and right. you know, there's not a tourism industry, so it's not like in Door County, we're talking about housing in terms of housing year round residents for sure. But there's also this, this whole aspect of this, what's really pushed us to the foreground is we have restaurants that as we get busier as a tourism industry, as we get a higher demand for housing, because more people are discovering this place, it's driving prices up, which means the people who work in these medium to low wage jobs can't find housing that they can afford. So they can't plant roots and buy a home, but they also can't even find a place to rent. And it's an employee problem. So now you start to see restaurants closing certain days a year, some restaurant operators throwing up their hands and just saying, I can't find staff. I got to get out of this business. Like even if their business is successful, they're just not bodies. So that's a little bit of the dynamic that's playing out here. It sounds like you don't have that dynamic. So what is it that drove the creation of Walsh Park back in 1987? It was a vision. So in the early 1900s, there was a, an army base here, for H.G. Wright. So on the public side, the good chunk of the public side of the island was a, a military base, it was an army base. So there was, the population was, oh, pretty high. And then the base closed after World War II, was, the properties were sold off like in the 50s, and the population was still pretty high. It was probably, I think the year-round population then was around 500 or so. But you could see the decline from the 50s to the 60s to the 70s. And in the mid-80s, it, it kept dropping even more. And a group of people, summer residents actually, realized that this is a problem. And as the houses, as old year people that had lived in these houses for as year-round residents were moving off, dying off, their houses would come up for sale and they were being purchased by seasonal residents for seasonal use, not for year-round use. So the inventory of year-round housing was declining as well and being priced out for people that wanted to live there year-round. They couldn't afford it. They couldn't compete with the seasonal residents that were buying these properties. Mm -hmm. So this group of seasonal residents realized this was happening and they realized how integral and important a year-round population is for the health and survival of the island. They worked with some people that were selling up a piece of land 
They convinced him to sell it at a discounted rate. They formed the nonprofit that became Walsh Park and constructed 12 homes on this property that where Walsh Park would retain control of the land, the homeowners would own the home. So it's kind of like a land trust. And that's how it began. And since that time, Walsh Park has purchased other houses that have come for sale on the market and have rented them out to increase the inventory. And so how many units now does Walsh Park, between rentals and, and homeownership? Yeah, 37 total properties. So there were the 12 original owner-occupied homes, and then we have an additional 23 uh, homes slash apartments rentals. So people who have listened to this podcast before, this is all very similar to the Door County Housing Partnership model, which is kind of started with the idea of a of land trust. And they, they had to change that name just because there is a Door County land trust that is focused on preserving environmentally sensitive land. So they didn't want to confuse people in that manner. But it's very similar. You have the partnership owns the land, the homeowner owns the building, and then it's controlled as how much it appreciates and what it can be sold for. So you're not just creating a property that somebody can flip <laughs> and giving exactly. them a great deal exactly. on it. So you told me that, do I have this right? Like since the time that you have been in Fisher's Island since 2016, since you came to, to Walsh Park, you actually haven't had anybody sell? So there's no, not in the, out of the original 12. <laughs> correct. <laughs> so it, it's, Again, those people have been, the majority of that, the people in those 12 owner-occupied homes have been in there since the early 90s. So, you know, their their mortgages are almost paid off and, you know, they're aging out as well. And eventually, you know, we're going to have to deal with that. And that's a great question of how that's going to work. But you mentioned there are controls in there in terms of, uh, you know, a formula for selling it back. And, you know, Walsh Park has to approve who purchases it, et cetera. And they have to be, again, the, the rules are that needs to be, a full-time residence. It can't be used as a summer home. It has to be used for somebody to live there year-round. But yeah, nobody, we've had a lot of turnover in the rentals, but not in the, the owner-occupied homes. And once they, those do get sold, like that, that's one of the things that has come up in a lot of these conversations. Well, how do you control that? And how, who decides, who manages that selling process and everything? And that seems like you guys have grown into that where you can hire someone to do that. Like for the most part, towns go, well, we don't want to be in the in the rental business or the housing business. That's not our role. And they don't have to be. And you guys have, have shown that. But you guys, you grow to a point where now it's not all on that board to handle everything. They they hire you. And yep. now what else do you have as a staff with those 37 so we, units? Just this year, we just this summer, we hired a full-time maintenance person for okay. the first time. We had a, a donor who basically earmarked the salary for this person for the next few years. And there's plenty of work for this person to do, he's, he's a, a great asset to not just to, to myself and the organization, but all the, the residents of Walsh Park. There's a lot of work to do. <laughs> I bet with, with that many units. And then who lives in this? I think once you said, is it like a third of the volunteer fire department lives in these homes? It, yeah, it's uh, about 25% of the, you know, approximately the numbers are you know, fuzzy in terms of what the overall population is, but it's about, we figure about a quarter of the year round population lives in Walsh Park housing. It's about 58% of the entire fire department slash EMT, and we have an ambulance boat. So the captains for that boat all live in Walsh Park Housing. It's extremely mm. important to the health of the island, for sure. And where would they live if you didn't have Walsh Park, if it were just market? Probably wouldn't be here on the island. There, there's a, Most of the people that work on the island are landscapers and contractors, and the vast majority of them commute over every day from mm. Connecticut. How long is that ferry ride, by the way? So the ferry is a 45, the auto ferry is a 45 minute ride. There's also wow. a couple of smaller commuter boats 
that leave from another town in southeastern Connecticut, it takes about 20 minutes. Right. So, but you can't bring your car on those. So e- even more remote than our comparison here, Washington Island. The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org careers. Let's go back to the funding. Okay. So it started with this mix of seasonal residents who put in some money. They find land at a, at a discount. How does it keep going? How are you funded? Mainly donors. So we have our, our rents, which are based off of, so when I came, there wasn't any fixed rental policies. But now it's, we base our, we have a formula and we base it off the HUD Fair Market Affordable Housing Index. And we use the Norwich and the London, Connecticut targets as our baseline. And so we have a formula for our rents, but that is that basically covers our insurance, which is astronomical, property taxes, et cetera. So the majority of our funding comes from donations. We have never taken a dime from the government, from the state or the, the county for in, any kind of subsidy because there were some things in the past that could have worked, but then we there's a lot of strings that come attached with a lot of these. And we like to retain kind of, not really control, but we like to, again, people that live here in Walsh Park Housing have to contribute to the community. So we like to have a little, maintain some control over that. So the rest of it is donors, majority of them, again, seasonal residents, but it's from all walks of island life here. People contribute, they realize how important it is, and uh, we're very, very grateful and appreciative of everybody that helps us out. So it sounds like you have some great community buy-in to this project, not a is, has there ever been like a any sort of NIMBY reaction to it? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We, we recently just were in the process of hopefully purchasing a uh, piece of land from that the school district is wasn't using and has agreed to sell it to us. And the ref, it was uh, passed via referendum last year and overwhelmingly in support. But there was some pushback. We had to have a lot of meetings with the community to address some of their concerns. And obviously we're concerned with them. We, we appreciate the, the feedback on that, but there has been definitely some nimbyism. And I'm curious, you have these, you know, people here, affordable housing. Have there ever been problems with raging parties at these housing or dilapidated homes, eyesores? What's the... No, well, yeah, we, we deal with some of that. I mean, it's, again, it's, we try to manage as best we can. A lot of the homes that are in our inventory are older. We're summer homes that didn't have insulation, Etc. So we're trying to again hiring the full-time maintenance person is a part of the way to address that. We're going to really focus on raising additional money. We're going to hopefully do a capital campaign in the future to raise some money to do more investment into the current infrastructure. But yeah, then in terms of, blight, I mean, there's little things. There's nothing crazy in terms of you know like yard blight and stuff like that. There's some issues that we have to deal with occasionally, but nothing out of the ordinary. It sounds, parties, no, it no sounds like it didn't ruin the island. No, not at all. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely, not. <laughs> you know, because it is it is really fascinating to me, especially in a place like Door County, where basically we are fortunate that the housing problem we have is we're trying to provide housing for people who are working in our community, and I think that still gets tied up in a lot of people's minds that you're giving away free housing or you're giving people housing, and right. in a sense, you you are you're making it possible for people to have housing, but these are people who work full time. And yet we yep. still, you still have that stigma of people that like, uh, think that this is going to ruin property values or ruin the neighborhood 
when the reality is what's going to ruin property values is not having anybody to maintain them <laughs> and not having firemen and not having town administrators. Exactly. And that's what, like what you're talking about with your firemen living in those and your teachers living in those is the same problem here. Gibraltar High School, the school that I went to in Door County, in Northern Door, so many of their teachers live in a different school district because they can't afford to live up here. Right. And that means a lot of times if something opens up somewhere else, they go where it's closer to home. And yep. a lot of the people who work for parks departments and town offices in the northern part of the county have to live 30 to 45 minutes to an hour away. And that means they're not in your community. They're not doing what you're talking about is that mandate to be involved. So you're at Walsh Park, but you're a volunteer firefighter. You coach basketball, right. those things. Is that requirement one of the things you're trying to avoid by not taking grant money? Because I'm guessing what you're doing as a nonprofit, maybe the state wouldn't allow you to necessarily do if you were tied to their funds. I think it's more, it's not even like, it's like some of them, for example, I remember seeing there was like, the applicants had to come from a certain area, certain zip code, like have to be from Suffolk County. And we get a lot of ours. We don't have a lot of people that live in with that part of Long Island that we're part of that want to live here. So it's, there may mm. be people from Connecticut that are commuting, that are tired of commuting and want to make their, their home on Walsh Park, on Fishers Island. So again, that's what's like one of the things, well, we can't, we can't do that because we're not going to get any applicants from those areas. Mm. So they're all coming from somewhere else. So it's, that's kind of the thing. It's, not really a control thing. It's kind of like, well, we can't, we, we're not going to get people from there. So yeah, it's just not going to work. Part of that program, right? <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned the school. So a lot of our teachers also commute from Connecticut, but we're one of the few school districts in New York that have housing, staff housing. So the teachers, I believe all the teachers that want to live here do live here. And out of those teachers that do live here, again, like you mentioned, there's so many are EMTs. It's fantastic. I mean, that's so they're in the school already as EMTs. And they're already there at the games and the practices, so I don't have to worry about dealing with the, <laughs> the injuries there. But, yeah, so, it's, it's again, it's, it's a unique situation as well in terms of the, the teachers where they live and commute from. And that very conversation is just starting here, where Gibraltar has talked about they started surveying teachers and finding out how many don't live here or can't afford to live here long term. And does that mean that the school has to start looking at housing? And yeah, I mean, I could tell you that answer without a survey that 25 years ago they needed to do that. But and I think most teachers would have <laughs> told you that. But it's good that they're they're starting that discussion. The other part that you mentioned, it's interesting because you you're part of New York State. Yep. But culturally, it sounds like you're tied to Connecticut. Correct. So that's another issue for you that's kind of unique and somewhat similar to Door County. We're on this peninsula that there's no northeast west traffic here. It's all coming from the south. If people are coming here, we're at the end of the line. And it makes our economic model a little different than other places. It makes the housing model different because to build anything, you have to f to get it up here. And it's not, right. it's not on the way to anything. And obviously, as an island, you're in the same boat. That skews your economics. But then when you're tied to New York State, any of their granting programs from a state level would be tied to New York income levels and right. data and yet you're tied to Connecticut. So that has to be a little difficult too, if you were to do it that way. Definitely. And that's why we use for the, the HUD fair market index, we don't use Long Island's numbers because they'd be, they're a lot higher than what we would have for, so we use the ones for Connecticut that are a little more in line with, again, we do all our shopping in Connecticut. So the salaries, I, mean, I think the cost of living on the island is, is incredibly high. So to use a higher base level for rents, just wouldn't make sense. So the pay is kind of maybe 
I, again, I don't know what other organization island contractors and landscapers are paying their staff, but again, a lot of the people that live in our program have multiple jobs. So the board, we didn't want to go with a higher end for the rent. So we went with the, the Connecticut one again, for the same reason you just mentioned, that's where we do our shopping and living and everything else is more in Connecticut than with Long Island. And I think you said something like at one point, based on the property value inflation and, and increases, your rents should have gone up. I don't know if you said like 10 or 15%, but then as a nonprofit, you can say, we're not doing that to people. We're going to do it at 5%. Yeah. So like last year, the numbers were, um, they went up, I think it was about 16% from the HUD baseline from the year before. And the board did not want to pass that along to all of our residents. So they just did went a flat across the board, 5% increase for last year. Yeah. And that's something you have the leeway to do. If you're yes. not tied to exactly certain programs, exactly. Matt, is there like you've been there seven years? Do you foresee yourself being on Fisher's Island forever? I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind that. I love it here. Again, it gets a little the, the isolation feeling, but we're in a more connected world now. So I hang out with my friends online every night playing Xbox. So I still see them. I get <laughs> to go over when I'm not on fire duty. I go over once a week to run errands and hit. Target and Costco and uh, get the shopping done and maybe play a round of golf with a buddy over there. So it's, you know, I don't feel like I'm stuck here. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't see why not. So I, I love it here. I love, you know, being involved and, you know, being a firefighter has always been kind of a dream too, as I, every little boy kind of wants to do it. <laughs> now I'm doing it. So, you know, it's kind of cool. And I love, you know, being involved with the school and, and seeing kids every day. And so I don't see why not. What did you do before you came back to Fisher Island? Oh, see, I did all kinds of stuff. I was, <clears throat> the, the previous job, I worked for a, um, I was a sale, group sales manager for a, a small theater called the Good Speed Opera House, Good Speed Musicals in uh, the central part of Connecticut. I worked for a WNBA team for some years as a, a salesperson. I wow. worked for a hotel, worked for a casino, did all kinds of jobs. <laughs> and you don't, you don't miss that. It's got to be, I'm guessing, it's rewarding to be back in a small community. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And to be doing that job where you're like literally helping people maintain a roof over their head. Exactly. No, it, it's rewarding. You know, everybody in the program is wonderful. I love dealing with them all. You know, I don't like when they, they call with issues. I feel bad because again, I'm in the same boat with them. I'm also, not only do I work here, I live in a Walsh Park house. So when somebody calls and says they're, you know, the dishwasher broke, I know how important that is. So we try to get that, you know, fixed as quickly as possible because I wouldn't want to be without whatever issue they're dealing with <laughs> for as long as you know, as possible. So when you, people are happy, you get a, you know, text say, Oh, you know, new washing machine is fantastic. Thanks for helping. It just feels good. It's nice that when you see people around and their kids going to the school and they're at the store and they're doing stuff, it's, it is very rewarding. And it's hard to hide from them when, when you can't fix it. <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. <laughs> they know how to get a hold of me for sure. Well, Matt, thanks for taking the time and talking to us about this. I think it's pretty informative and inspiring to folks up here. And uh, I think uh, for our listeners, uh, about a month ago, we talked to Brett Bicoy at the Door County Community Foundation with their new initiative, somewhat similar to this in that it's a nonprofit raising money, pooling money together to try and support innovative approaches to this. And, you know, maybe something like what, what Walsh Park is doing is one of those innovative approaches that we can try. So thanks again, Matt. Thank you for having me, Miles. Hey, really enjoyed that conversation with Matthew Edwards from Walsh Park out on Fishers Island, New York. Really incredible program they have there. A great model. I mean, obviously, decades ahead of us here in Door County and what they're doing. But I think you see a lot of similarities 
not just in what the problem is, but in what that community is, although much smaller than Door County or any smaller than almost any of one of our, our individual communities, but also in the ethic that we want to be in, in, in many ways already are in terms of a place that is intertwined and cares about each other. And, you know, where, where your neighbors also who might be a, a stay at home worker and also serve in the fo- volunteer fire department, that sort of thing. And I think that's what, what we are here as well. And with this series of podcasts, both the interview with Brett Bicoy, interview with uh, Marissa Downs from the Shoals Apartment Complex, the interview with Mia Vlar from Vail, Colorado, and now with Matt Edwards from Fishers Island, you know, we're just trying to put out their ideas and show that there are some solutions to this thing that for too long we've just thrown our hands up to. And what happens when a community decides we're just going to, we're going to do something about this versus we're going to wait for something to fix itself. And I'll give some credit to, you know, city of Sturgeon Bay has done a lot to promote the building of market rate housing, which is great for their workforce that, you know, to some level, there's just a, a need to build housing regardless of how you control the rent. Give credit to sister Bay for putting close to a million dollars at least in support for affordable housing projects in that village, in that community, just in the last couple of years. And then you have the, the Door County Housing Partnership and everything that Mariah Good and Jim Honig and Diana Wallace and that group has done to start building homes, tangibly build homes that are affordable and locked in as affordable in communities around the county. And then the Door County Community Foundation with what they've done to launch this housing lending initiative. But, you know, there's a huge gap in the middle there between Sister Bay and Sturgeon Bay of communities that really haven't, you know, there's been proposals and there's been ideas, but communities that haven't actually done anything tangible yet. And they've had opportunities and there are ways to say yes to those opportunities. And there are new ways to do things. And we shouldn't just be kind of relying on Sister Bay and Sturgeon Bay to solve this. Like there needs to be something done in the middle there. And that won't happen until your town boards, representatives, your village trustees, your council people step up and actually approach this and decide we have to do something too. And that might take financial investment and that might take land investment. It might just take finding donors. Maybe it doesn't cost that town anything as you found in, in Fisher's Island. And it also means that your, your representatives at the state level have to be a little more in tune with this, whether it's Joel Kitchens and Andre Jacques. There are a lot of things that are being done in Colorado or New York and elsewhere that we are just, your local communities, I know that a lot of people say, well, why don't they do something about this? Why don't they do this tax? Why don't they charge this fee? Our rules in our state just don't allow them to do a lot of those things. And that is not a question for your local board. That is a question for your state representatives. And that is a question that you should be asking your state representatives to address, but also that you should be encouraging your town board members to push your state representatives to address if we ever want to see that change. So there are a lot of ideas out there. And in my editorial opinion, there's no excuse to not try something, throw something at the wall and see what sticks. So hope you enjoy this series of podcasts on housing. I hope it's sparking some ideas for some folks. Thanks as always for listening. And we will talk to you again really soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. This podcast is produced by Miles Danhausen Jr. and edited by Rachel Lucas. If you want to help us continue to create more great episodes just like this one, visit our website at doorcountypulse.com.